Mealy, it's almost winter break. Are you exhausted? I'm like duly exhausted, like my Ford Granada. I wasn't expecting a joke that dumb right out of the gate. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud and upset. Well, one of the main things that's stressing me out. You buy a present. I've got to get this to um, friends in another state. But then it's so exhausting just waiting in line at USPS. Not that they're not hardworking, but it's busy this time of year. An easier way to do it? Stamps.com. How does that work? You can save time. You can save money. You can save stress all by going to stamps.com and using a special promo code. What's the code? Oh, like, pod. Like you're listening to a podcast now, but just but drop off the cast to keep it fast. And if you use it, you get a four-week free trial. That that brings you over to January. Free postage. You get digital scale. So go ahead and um, click on that thing and, and mail that stuff. You can even mail something to me. I'm not giving you my address, but if you figure it out, you can mail something to me. Challenge accepted, Internet. Oh, okay. Thank you. Neely, I have two problems. One of those. I really love the show on professional development, and I have a big blank spot on my chest where my shirt is. First of all, the first one doesn't sound like a problem. I mean, it's so much love, I can't contain it. And you also have, what, a blank spot on your chest? Yeah, where my shirt is. You you never grew chest hair? Obviously not. (laughs) Oh, I know what you should do. You should go to this link in the show notes and get an unprofessional development t-shirt. Yes, that sounds like exactly what I needed for this premise. So, boys and girls, we have t-shirts. We have magnets. We have buttons. Show your unprofessional love. That way you'll get to know who your fellow unprofessionals are when you're walking down the hallway and go, Oh, you listen to that too? Be an unprofessional representative. Welcome, unprofessionals of all ages. I don't know why a child would be listening. Yes, they could. The second annual... 2021 Georgie Award. Well, I guess it wouldn't be second annual and 2021. We'd have to pick one, right? It, it, it's, it's all of those. It's all of The those. second annual non-denominational holiday spectacular 2021 Georgie Awards. I'm Tennis. And I'm Mealy. And this is our um, episode where basically it's a clip show. Let's do a clip show. Bottle episode. Don't forget the clip show. So we go back over the the past year of all the guests and shows and stuff that we did and give ourselves awards. It's, you know, it's self-care. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And if you haven't yet, feel feel free at your own home, like, to just give yourself awards at the dinner table, like, you know, and, and award yourself for the the best dinner, the best vacation you took, or whatever it is that you did, give yourself give yourself some awards. Or even Absolutely. in your even in your classroom, you want to give your kids some awards. You know, most times asked to go to the bathroom. That's a, a nice award. I, I wrap up most of my lessons by starting a slow clap aimed at me. Okay. <laughs> And that's just a good way to build classroom culture. It is. It is. It is. Thank you. Yes. Get your kids in the habit of praising you for nothing. Mm-hmm. If they mm-hmm. learn to do that for authority, then they'll be uh, good plebeians. They will. They will. They'll go, they'll go far in, 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 in this world. <laughs> so um, do we want to start off? Did you want, do you want to go first? Uh, well, Neely, I, I really need to, to speaking of, of praising people. Uh, I want to give you props this year for starting uh, your tradition of giving weird prompts for people to (laughs) explain their life in. So describe your education career like a set of furniture instructions. 
So you're going to describe your education resume like Q showing 007, the, his new Aston Martin, and all the, um, the features that he's got on the Aston Martin. Describe your educational career as a Yelp review. So describe your career as an educator, as an HGTV host giving a tour of a house. But describe your journey through the world of education as a force diagram. Yes, yes. I don't know if we'll continue that in the next year or if I will switch it up. I've, I've got to decide that in the next two weeks, I guess, or three weeks, whatever. But go ahead. Right, what are you going to say? Finish, finish, finish telling everyone how awesome I am. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's always been really funny. It's been a fascinating challenge. Some people have like totally, like really sunk their teeth into it and loved it. Mm -hmm. And some people have like panicked and abandoned it almost immediately. Yes. But it's always interesting. Just kind of alienating our guests. Yes. And, it's a bold uh, choice. And I was going to say, um, and I know at, some, at this point here, you're going to play a whole assortment of them. Um, one assortment, a whole one. Of, of, of me saying the prompts, um, I guess, is what you're going right. to put in there. But then Not I want to. of an assortment. There we go. <laughs> I want to um, nominate our, our two winners who took it <laughs> and ran with it in just unbelievable fashion. And those would be Ruth Swales. In honor of Eric Carl, I decided to honor good old Eric Carl, you know. We all, we, I know, R.I.P. Let's pour out some milk for our fallen home. Is that, is that what we poured out for him? Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to have you describe your journey through education as if you were the very hungry caterpillar. And you can tell yes. us what you ate on each day or in each section of your, um, your education journey. Yeah, it was a really good question, actually, that. Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> but you dropped it on me this morning, so I've not had a lot of time to think about it. But that's really good, actually, because you, come from, you, know, you don't overthink it, do you? I was oh, thinking, no. when I was the egg, that was probably at the point where I wasn't even realising I was going to be a teacher. Because mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't one of these people who was born knowing I was going to be a teacher. I actually right. didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I came out the other side, um, I suppose, on my little leaf. That was me, um, sort of crawling along, trying to find a job as a newly qualified teacher. And that was quite hard because there were a lot of newly qualified teachers and not many jobs. Mm -hmm. And I got myself, uh, I suppose, when I thought about it, I thought about the, the sort of five pages of the fruit as being each school that I taught in before I became a head teacher. Mm -hmm. I taught in five schools. That's I suppose wild. that fits very nicely with the, the three plums because I had three year groups in the class. Okay, there so, you go. Nice. Yeah, like I planned it. <laughs> another job came up in another local school, which was... It felt bigger, but it was only five classes, but it felt huge. Yes. And that, that was deputy headship. So that, that would kind of be my, my going on to the, the, the Hungry Caterpillars plum page. <laughs> uh, <laughs> while I was there, I did some work for the local authority and I went to visit a school and I fell in love with the school and then the headship came up. So I went for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that I, I think of the headship in terms of the Hungry Caterpillar as my Saturday page with all of that sort of yeah, <laughs> yes. range of everything. So, right. You know, there were definitely some pickles. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of cake. Um, yes. It was a real, just, wow, what an experience. That's when my friend suggested that I have a look at being an inspector. And okay. that's when I started to think about, um, it was at the point where I kind of felt like if I kept on doing what I was doing with all the other stuff, I wasn't going to be giving my school my best. So okay. that's when I moved on. So I suppose okay. that was my cocoon moment where I just There you go. Like, yeah, I thought about it. That <laughs> um, I just thought, actually, shall I give it a go? And, and I remember having a conversation with my husband, and he said, "Well, if you don't like it, you can always go back to headship. You know, but try it and see." 
Mm -hmm. So I did, and that would be eight years ago, um, and I've not really looked back. So I suppose I, I kind of went into the cocoon and came out and uh, transformed into a consultant, an advisor, an inspector for a while, um, an author. There we go. Really, yeah. There we go. Fantastic. Who, yeah. When I took the hu Very Hungry Caterpillar, apparently either had taken the time and written it down or has read the very hungry caterpillar an insane amount of times. She is a huge, she's a caterpillar head as we, as we call them, you know, um, and they meet at the festivals. That's what they call each other. Yeah. She, 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 I think she actually on Sunday eats whatever that the thing is. And you know, what, what, I don't even, I don't even know what they, the caterpillar eats on Sunday, a leaf, maybe, I don't know, but an apple and an orange and I think a pie at some point, but she eats all of those. Yeah. Um, it, there are very hungry festivals, but I think they're just called Dave Matthews Band concerts. Nice. Oh, wow. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank it's you. your birthday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and then also Victoria the Tech, who is, um, and it probably is a name for those people, is, is, is a Disney head. I don't know what you call them, but she goes, she's one of those people that goes to Disney like multiple times a year and literally knows every square inch of Disney. You're going to take us through your educational journey, okay? So what, from wherever you are in teaching and tech and whatever you've done, as if they are the different worlds in Disney. So at one point you lived in this world and you had went on this ride and then you were in this world and went on this ride. And so kind of play with the metaphor, the, the, um, however you want to use it to, um, yeah. describe your educational, um, life. Great. When I first graduated college, and I graduated from the College of Charleston in 2015, thinking to tomorrow and really thinking about what I did in the classroom. Uh, my bachelor's degree was in elementary education. I found it really difficult to find because I did my student teaching in third grade. Loved that arena. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was really difficult for me to find a like elementary job. So going back to looking toward tomorrow, I'm thinking, okay, we can really, we meaning not just me, but also me and my wife, like wherever we move next and whatever we do, we can leverage my experience to make sure that I can get some sort of like job. So that's the tomorrow moving on to fantasy land. So it, it really did take me a while to get a job when I was out here, uh, because what I'm finding is that a lot of people don't want to take chances on people that are teachers by trade. I do my best work in schools and I know that, right? right? So that fantasy of like being like in big tech full time was not the reality of what I was experiencing. And I feel like so many teachers want to make that leap from classroom to ed tech or classroom to consultant, but it's just a lot of like rote stuff and a lot of minutia and like I was semi-prepared, but I don't think I was ready for sitting at a desk all day for 10 hours. Like, it just wasn't my vibe. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, then moving on to Liberty Square. So this is where I found my personal liberty. Um, uh -huh. I left tech full-time, and I decided to go back into schools because, like I said, that's where I do my best work. Uh, my job freaked out a little bit and offered me a certain amount of money to stay, and I said no because I want to be back. And I was literally about to make that same amount of money in a school, um, but I would have summers off. So, of course, that's attractive. It's not the main reason, but it is very attractive. But it helps, yeah. Right. Yes. So, so what they did was they decided to keep me on 
Uh, they meaning you know, the various companies I was working with as an independent consultant. So I kind of had the best of both worlds in that space. I was working in schools. I taught a couple of classes and I loved interacting and being with those kids. But I also had a huge hand in curriculum design, which was perfect for me because my master's is in curriculum and instruction. And I was also able to do the tech as well. Uh, going to Frontierland, because this was... Um, really just kind of like a new frontier to me. And it was instructional coaching. Speaking of that, if we go to the last one, which is Adventureland. Um, so just new adventures, really, for this upcoming year. Um, I'm in my role, of, of course, as an instructional coach, and this will be my second year, but will be fully face-to-face, which yeah. is very exciting. So that's going to be an adventure, not just for, you know, seeing people and building relationships on like an actual face-to-face mm-hmm. level, But I'm also really looking forward to a lot of the stuff I'm doing at my school. So the two of them really embraced the analogy. There's a spectrum of um, how much people embrace the analogy. Some people completely ignored it and said, no, thank you. Like the one with the haiku, um, I believe, said, uh, no, uh, haiku, F you, is what they said. Which is a rhyme, which is not part of haiku. No, exactly, exactly. But anyway. <laughs> so, was was that my first award? I'd give an award, yes, or that not my? That's not my award. It sounds like your award, your best analogy award. Yes, yes. Okay, I didn't know if that was one of them. Oh, yeah, it is. That's my award. Okay, so you have to give an award now. All right. Um, I'll, I'll bounce off of that while we're still in the realm of analogies and fiction. Okay. Um. I'm going to give a, a, an award to uh, Matthew Dix, uh-huh. who we had on um, for, he has the program of Storyworthy. Yeah, it's a, it's, he wrote, it's a book, and he is a, a moth mega champion. Yes. And he is just an amazing storyteller. I got a question for you. I heard this phrase, and it's thrown me off. Homework for life. Yeah. Just hear those three words. Like, that's uh-huh. my nightmare. I have a stomachache <laughs> just saying those three words. I don't know if I'll be able to say them again. <laughs> well, I've trademarked, I've trademarked the phrase. Um, so, so why homework for life? Well, it's a storytelling technique. It's actually not a storytelling technique. It really is a, if you want to live your life in a full and complete way, you need to do homework for life. You know, it's, it's like toothbrushing though. You engage in the brushing of your teeth for life, right? But you don't cry about that. You don't cry about the fact that every night you get to brush your teeth. So I'm giving you a homework assignment that's going to take you, you know, at the most five minutes a day, and it's going to change the course of your life forever. So it's like brushing your teeth. You know, it's it's that easy. And so, you know, I'm an elementary school teacher. I'm predisposed to things like homework. So that's why I gave the process that name. I couldn't help it. So so what do you assign? Give us the details. Oh, sure. So essentially, I was telling stories on stages in New York and eventually around the world. And as I began telling these personal stories, I started to worry that I was going to run out of stories. There's certain storytellers in the world that sort of have the same 12 stories and they just roll out the old chestnut every night. And I didn't want to be one of those guys. I wanted to be someone who stood on the stage every night with something new to say. So in an effort to find stories, I gave myself this homework assignment. I decided that at the end of every day, before I go to bed, I'm going to sit back, think about my day and I'm going to find the most story-worthy moment from that day, even if it was a day full of nothing. The phrasing I always think, or the framing I always give myself is, my family's been kidnapped, and they will not be returned to me until I tell you an entertaining story about something that happened today. 
So even if nothing really happened, I've got to find the most entertaining thing from all the non-entertaining things. What is that moment going to be? And then I write it down. I don't write the whole thing down because that's insanity. Those are journalers, right? They're deeply special people who tend to journal a lot when someone dumps them. And as soon as they're back together in love again, they stop, you know, writing in their diary. So instead, what I do is I take an Excel spreadsheet. It's got two columns. It's got the date column. And then I stretch that B column across the screen. And in the B column, I write the story. So I've all I've got is like three or four or five sentences to record the moment from the day. And my, I, my hope was that maybe I'll find one new story a month that I'm not noticing. What happens instead and what's happened to quite literally tens of thousands of people all over the world is you discover that your life is sort of filled with interesting, meaningful, entertaining moments, story-worthy moments that we don't see. Or we're, we see them, but we're too stupid to do anything with them. So we just sort of walk past them and we don't take note of them. So what happens is like, take your ages, whatever your ages are, subtract 12. You know, so for uh-huh. me, I'm 50, subtract 12, that's 38. How much do you actually remember from the year that you landed on? You know, for me, it's my right. 38th year of life. We let whole years of our lives be utterly forgotten. We go around the sun one time and we have like four things to say about it. It doesn't mean that your year was bad or boring or terrible. It just means you just let it go by. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you get older and you think, God, where'd the time go? Or your kids grow up and you say, I can't believe how fast they grew up. If you're doing homework for life, you don't wonder where the time went because time slows down because every day gains some meaning. Uh-huh. And your kids don't grow up quickly because your homework for life is filled with moments, filled with them, the crazy things they say and the crazy things they do and the beautiful things they do. So it slows down time. It allows you to hold on to your life in a way that you're not holding on to it now. And then what you'll discover, and I am not a unicorn in any way, everyone discovers this. We have far more stories to tell than we ever imagined we have. So now I have a list so long, I will run out of time in my life before I run out of topics to talk about. And I bet that also makes you more aware, like throughout the day when something amazing happens. It does. It also does this other wonderful thing, which is it sort of cracks you open. And as you start to examine your days, the past will suddenly flood back, you know, for reasons I really don't understand. Homework for Life has caused me to remember things from my past that had previously been forgotten, things I can't believe I forgot. And everyone else experiences this too. I think what happens is we just sort of, we're more aware of the moments that we experience in our life and they connect to moments from our past. Oh, this there's, is like a thing. I was going to say happened there's some brain the science happening somewhere. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a neurologist, yeah. but, there, but memories there's something... are emotionally congruent. Yeah. I read right. that there's... in a psych book. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you? There's some kind of neur- neur- neurology happening there. Yeah. yeah so so I even if you're not going to tell it. stories, you got to do it. Even if you're I, not telling stories, it's going to change your life. I, I did it for almost three weeks and now I need to get back on. So I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, and I, I know it's what, like, just like exercising. If, if you, if you miss a few days, it's okay. You just get back. No, on. it's not. No, no, it's not okay to miss a few days. If you no. miss a few days, you really suck because I'm not asking for much. <laughs> like really it's homework, Mealy, you failed. What happens? Now I know how the nurse days, fell on Tuesday. <laughs> well, what happens if you miss a few days, you've quite literally thrown those days away. You oh. will never remember anything from them. They're gone okay. forever. They've become just, part of the ether. Don't do. miss a day. If you don't miss brushing your teeth, which I hope you don't, and if you do, you've no, got I... problems, then don't <laughs> miss the five minutes that Homework for Life takes. It's five minutes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, if okay. you don't, if you skip it, I always say if you skip it or you choose not to do it at all, it's fine. But as you put your head on the pillow at night, the last thought I want you to have is, I suck. I could be changing my life, but instead I'm just going to go to sleep. 
and then move You're on bad with and you should feel bad i really that's i i believe shame is a powerful tool it should be deployed carefully but it can be useful i don't know our our, our intense spreadsheet award yes goes to matthew dix who gave us homework for life with uh uh a lot of passion and instilled tons of fear in me which yes. which is impressive Homework for life or death is his, is, is his <laughs> motto. <laughs> yes, death to your memories if you do not do his homework for life. Basically like you didn't exist. Yes, yes. So, Homework for life could use a rebranding, by the way. I, I, I don't know how open he would be to that, but it could use a rebranding. Right? You know? But anyway, so um, homework for life, yes. So speaking of, you know, Things like that that, that have a, ha, had a profound um, effect on us. The I'm going to say most profound effect on my teaching practice award, and that would be Johanna Brown. So Johanna Brown is part of the ungrading movement, and I I I, I would say she's kind of a leader, although she's the leader. I don't know if they have a leader because you know, but she's definitely um, someone who is a strong advocate for not grading. She has had me, I have not gone full on grading and our district doesn't, it is really annoying with the amount of things that they actually make me grade in a semester or quarter, but I'm definitely focusing a whole lot more on feedback and being a whole lot more lenient with grades and focusing more on kids learning than I am trying to like silo kids and going oh that's a c student that's a b student that's a that's a d student that's an a student and just uh, who cares what kind of student they are let's have them be a learning student and yeah uh, which is completely contrary to um the great grade debate of um 2020 that Tedisco and I had and where I was staunchly against any kind of um effort and all that so that's why i would say i would give her most profound change on my practice I also know that the kids who will put in the bare minimum, right? They want to say, like, what do I have to do to pass? Mm-hmm. That's, like, I was lazy. I was a completely lazy student. So, like, I love this class. And, like, every day be like, yeah, I'm doing something. Like, I'd mess around. But, like, I wouldn't try very hard. How do you get students to, like, buy in? How do you, how do you motivate them? Uh, especially kids who might be motivated by grades. Yes. Um, a couple of things I do is, so things mm-hmm. don't count as done. Um, if, if revisions need to be made. Uh, and that was one that helped students who didn't want to go back and fix things. And they would just do the minimum. Mm-hmm. Like mm, your, your answers, you don't have good reasoning. Um, and we talk a lot about reasoning and not, ha- not having to be right, but having to think and make good connections. So there's just this constant barrage from me about how they're communicating and how they're explaining themselves and, I'm talking about how that that's the skill. I don't, if you forget this chemistry, <laughs> fine. Right. I, I yes. will not you can always watch a YouTube years. video later and, and, and relearn it. Yeah. But you need to be able to think, mm-hmm. <laughs> please. So yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty good. I would say there are just a few, there's, there's one that just complained about, well, I never know if I'm right because I'm not getting grades. I emailed this student back and said, you, you get feedback on everything you turn in. So it's not about being right all the time. Life is not about being right all the time. It's about growing. And I really think ungrading or being greedless is just one version 
to mm-hmm. get students learning and, and de-emphasizing grades. And sometimes I think, especially when things get a title, like, oh, I'm ungrading this year. People think it's like being a vegan. Like if you then eat one piece of cheese, like <laughs> you can't count as a vegan anymore. Oh. So uh, ungrading is you, you can grade some things. You could do an ungraded unit. You can just do reassessments. Like mm-hmm. there are so many things you can do. You don't have to have this whole label and think that it has to be this production that meets all of these things. Do what works for your students and try but. De-emphasizing grades somehow. I remember that conversation. It was I, so good. If I don't give cri- kids grades, will they still do any work? Because I think and, that that is the, the number one question that pops to mind for us. Because we've experienced so much of kids not doing stuff when it's not for a grade. And and I, I think it's also really interesting because a, a number of people who do the going grade list thing, a lot of them uh, are, are Montessori schools. Or a lot of them teach, you know, younger students or even elementary students, mm-hmm. right? I mean, with kindergarten and preschool, it's easy to go grade list. But as you get older and older, it's tougher. She teaches chemistry. Right. Yeah. To high school students. Yes. And, who have been and fully indoctrinated in the whole. And that, that's the biggest challenge. It's because the kids that when we get them in high school, they've been indoctrinated into the whole grading scheme. It's it's part of the system right. that they know. They, they have been trained that. You know, they've been given all these Pavlovian responses that, oh, if you do this and it's for a grade, then you get the treat. You know what I mean? If it's not, then there's then there's no treat. Can I ever tell you my Pavlov joke? No. Right. It's one of my favorite jokes. All right. Okay. So, so it's the end of a long week, right? Pavlov's from working lots. Okay. Uh-huh. He's putting in tons of overtime. He's exhausted. Yes. So he goes out to the bar and he's sitting there and he's just drinking a beer and he's just really tired and just thinking about the weekend and thinking about all the work that he's done. And just how overwhelmed he is. And then the phone rings and he goes, oh, shoot, I forgot to feed the dogs. Oh, God. I wow. love that joke. Oh, so much. my goodness. Wow. I like the um, Jim Halpert, Dwight, um, Tic Tac <laughs> email. My mouth taste bad? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't know that. I, I'm not familiar with that Pavlov joke. I know there's. I know there's another one that I that I that I have heard somewhere. And I can't think of what it is. Yeah. I, I, if I hear it, it'll ring a bell. There, boom. There we go. Uh huh. Oh, Alrighty. So you're up. What what you got? All right. So while we're here, so then sort of talking about people who have influenced our our styles. There there was a conversation we had that made me rethink a lot of things that I'm doing in the classroom. And it was surprisingly by somebody who's not in the classroom. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is Ben Oliva. Yes. So we had Ben Oliva on. He's a sports psychologist. Uh-huh. But he talked about how people learn to change behavior. Mm-hmm. And there, there's just that direct line from, from that to, to the classroom. And I've been thinking that about that over and over and over again. Um, when he was talking about, uh, what, what was the tennis book? The Inner Game of Tennis. It's The Inner Game of Tennis. It's uh, Inner Game of Tennis by uh, Tim Galloway. Yeah. And he just kind of, it seems from the book, happened upon it almost by accident, like how to, how to do what, you, what you're doing. But kind of talk to us about the what The Inner Game of Tennis is and what the actual science and psychology and what, what that, that tells us about why this does work and why you think it's a, a good philosophy or way to coach. Sure. So one way to think about it is that you don't have to know what the 
coaching point you're trying to make is in order to be an effective coach, which is at one level kind of disconcerting, but at another level, very freeing. And what it's all about is the idea that awareness is the key to improvement, Mm -hmm. right? Self-awareness leads to growth. Self-awareness and practice with clear feedback leads to growth. And so what a lot of people believe is that explicit or direct coaching and guiding, let's just use tennis as an example, right? Swing the racket and turn your your wrist over in order to put topspin on the ball. Yeah. Right. That would be very direct feedback or put your feet right here. And when the ball comes and it's past your right hip, take a swing and turn your wrist over just at the contact point and aim two feet above the net and try to put it on that back corner. You sound like everybody who's trying to get me to play golf. Yes. So there's there's another version of the book, Inner Game of Golf. Right. Getting really caught up in the technique and directing people's attention to their technique. This approach that he kind of happened upon, which he talks about in his book, but which is to say, here, watch me do it and try to do what I do. And then be quiet as the coach is actually more effective and also more enjoyable for the person being coached. Right. From a scientific perspective, it's really about implicit learning versus explicit learning. Mm-hmm. Right. That implicit learning, in other words, our brain automatically processes this information that's coming in mm-hmm. and then adapts. And so you feed me tennis ball after tennis ball after tennis ball and tell me, hey, try to do what I'm doing. Right. We're trying to hit this ball over the net and into the back corner of the court. Do it however you see fit. I'm going to do it too. And you can watch me and then do it the way that fits your body best. And then be quiet, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, the hardest part. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and watch mm-hmm. and let the person tell you what's working for them. Yeah. So, hey, what do you notice happens when you do it well? And what do you notice is happening when you don't do it well? Yeah. Yeah. And then they gain insight into what helps them. So instead of trying to remember the things that you told them would help you, would help them, mm-hmm. they're gaining self-knowledge and self-awareness that they feel is coming from themselves. And yeah. so they're going to remember it better. It's going to be more effective. Definitely. Yeah. That's all. Awesome. It lasts much longer. It is the hardest thing as, as teachers put the cognitive load on the kids when there's this, this math problem, rather than going first, you subtract this, then you divide that. Then you do, what do you think we should do first? Our goal is to get X by itself and then, and then let, let them actually come up with, methods to do it and obviously we can guide them a little bit kind of help them understand like i'm sure you do say like instead of saying how did you feel you can say how did your arm feel or how did your foot feel or whatever it is so so we're getting down to some specifics that they might not be in tune with if we don't kind of give them just a little um smidgen of something is that is that right no doubt about it and i think this form of coaching is more and more effective the more motivated the person is to mm-hmm. improve. So one of the challenges of teachers is that students are forced to go to school. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, hope we want our kids to want to be in school and to want to learn math and want to learn English. But the reality is, if you work with kids that are like, eh, that's not really what you usually get. And right. so there's definitely a middle ground here mm-hmm. in terms of showing and guiding and, and um, giving them the basic information that they need in order to feel like they are capable mm-hmm. of attacking whatever challenge you have in front of them. Yeah. But the key is to not over coach or over teach. That's really, if there's one fundamental from this idea, it's that most coaches and teachers do too much fixing. Mm-hmm. They are not tolerant enough of letting people make mistakes and figure it out yeah. as they go. Yeah. Because Coaches, at least, which is the world that I live in most, they feel better about what they've done if they said what they, if they told, then, then it's not their fault anymore. I already right. told them how to hit a top spin forehand. So yeah. now if they can't do it. It's not because I didn't tell them. It's because they can't do it. There we Even go. Even if they know that it's actually more effective to say less, it's too hard for them to tolerate that. Oh, you know, like maybe people will think I'm not a good coach if I'm just sitting here doing nothing. And I often like sometimes have to write myself notes and remind myself that there's um there's a big difference between I taught it and they learned it. Those are yeah. not those are not the same thing. And Matthew, you know, is so it builds upon all these other levels, right? You know, so they've they've it's cumulative. And so the kids will come into my room. And this is what I used to do. And now now I now I don't do it anymore. But I'd be like. I know, I know they taught you this last year and great, you know, great that they taught you that last year, but they didn't <laughs> learn it, you know, and I will hear teachers. Sometimes it's new teachers say that. And then, and then I will tell them, I go, listen, my wife told me three things to get from the grocery store. <laughs> and I went to the grocery store literally minutes after she told me and I couldn't remember like, but one of those things, and I got the wrong brand and all of that. But you think that this kid who learned, was it, had eight subjects last year, you want them to remember day 45 of what that <laughs> teacher taught them last year. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why would you think they would remember that? Like, that's, that's, that, that's, you know, no, they don't remember that. <laughs> you know? Mealy, I, as an English teacher, I need them to forget. Because if the kids learned how to write an essay and write a summary and write a central idea and retained it, I wouldn't have a job. (laughs) All I do is just say all the stuff your elementary school teacher said with just longer texts. Like that, that, that's all I do. There you go. There you go. It's the same. It's still a metaphor. Yes. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other part of this, um, method of coaching is that it helps people feel like uh, they are the agent of change yeah. in in the process of mm-hmm. getting better at things. And yeah. so... Um, and that's fantastic. That it really is. Itself. It really is. You know what I mean? And it's... Which takes a lot of humility. You know, you did it. You know, I, I did a little bit, you know, but, but, but you did it. And... Um, but that's what it should be all about, you know, is, 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 is building them up. And his answer, like, 
What, what he explained just made me rethink so much of how I do things in the classroom, how I don't need to give direct. I can just show them how I would do it and then let them try their best and struggle and possibly fail and then go back to the drawing board and look it over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, get, that, get that feedback loop and go, Hey, did that, how did that feel? How did that, how did, how do you feel that went? You know what I mean? Or, um, here's where I want you to be, but I'm not going to tell you how to, how to get there. Right. And you, right. And you try and do that and develop the, you know, with him, it's a lot of physical things, developing that muscle memory, but as a, um, but develop those, that muscle memory in your brain of how do I write an introduct introductory paragraph or how do I, um, uh, figure out this how, word how to problem. This. Right. Yeah. These things. So definitely, definitely. And that really comes down to, um, being, you know, more of a, a guidance and fi- feedback again thing versus, you know, with, with, with some modeling, but not saying, you know, but not doing the, you know, but not being a lecturer. And so, and, and making them think of like 15 things that they have to do, but just going, okay, here's what this looks like. See if you can make it look like that without me telling you all of the, the nomenclature and the details to how to, um, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, the, the only part where I'm struggling is like finding a way to give consistent feedback to a hundred kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, but well, I mean, if go, you, really th- you all suck and you haven't been doing very good. So that's feedback. <laughs> okay. Or oh, that, 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 you know what? I read your essays last night and they all didn't suck. That, that Then you've just given feedback to an entire class to just go. It just made me hate you a little less. Problem solved. Okay. <laughs> when your admin asks you, do you give regular feedback? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. I told them they all sucked yesterday. And I was they know feedback. exactly how I feel about them. <laughs> when my, this is true. My students say, Mr. Tedisco, do you have a favorite? Like, you ever get that question? Yes. Uh, I would say, look, my students all disappoint me in different special ways. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Hey, professionals, pardon the interruption. We're always looking for resources that can help us, and we know that this has been a really tough year. So that's why we are proud to announce our, our new sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is awesome. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely and online. So you can send a message to counselor anytime. You get timely, thoughtful responses. You get schedule week video or phone sessions. It's awesome. It it has everything you need. And it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available if you need it. Uh, Licensed professional counselors are available. They're specialized in depression, anger, family conflict, stress, anxiety, grief, LGBT matters, self-esteem, sleeping, trauma, relationships. I'm pretty sure that's everything. The only thing they need to add in is losing a monopoly, and I'm pretty sure that's the whole gamut. So if you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash listener. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash listener. Stand professional. So is it my turn again? It is my turn again. Okay. We are zipping on through this. Okay. I'm going to go with just... One of our um, favorite formats that we don't do often enough, and I'm I'm gonna try maybe try and get a few more going on with this next um, year is duos. So sometimes these duos know each other, sometimes they kind of know each other, um, 
but we had we had some good ones. So a couple that um, we really enjoyed this year was um, one that I knew a duo that I work with, Mangano and Williams. So there, there's some kind of parallel between like you guys and me and Tedisco a little bit with the whole math English. Oh, like, it's um, like a, now it's like a little yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like us in an alternate universe. Right. Yes. Wait, yes. I have to be Neely. Yes. <laughs> apparently, I don't know. No, it doesn't, doesn't sound like that. It sounds like sounds like um, I don't know. Except instead of bettering ourselves as people, we just made a podcast. Yes. So, other than yeah, that, I mean, it's that's very a pretty, That's a pretty large chunk to take on, I yeah, think. You yeah. guys chose to get degrees. You chose to listen to our the sounds of our voices. Yeah, we're just rambling, into, rambling into a, a computer. Yeah, that's what we're doing. You know, Screaming into the abyss. Well, we've been actually thinking about starting like a, a mom kind of educational podcast. We are. We, <laughs> cool. Add something else to the plate. I may have been something else in, in very brief. I say it all I the think. time. Because uh, quite if honestly, need, like our mom team, listen. we're hilarious. I would we listen. We started off like, what was it? Like teachers that whine? Yes. W-I-N-E. Yes. Yes. But related to that, which is just cool. And especially if you ever need any kind of you know, help, we would be um, very, very happy to help you out. with be our mentors? Yeah, yeah. But I think our Mary Campos, what's her name? Mary Chris O'Campos. Yes. But I think part of like what helped you, I'm going to guess here, because I tell people who are thinking about starting a podcast that one of the greatest things that I ever decided by accident was to ask to Disco to do it with me. Because mm-hmm. there is something to having that accountability partner, even mm-hmm. if they even are, even if sometimes they hold you really accountable, and sometimes just they just hold you accountable by the fact that th- their presence holds you accountable. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, because I'm like, not responsible. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's Jenna. So right. that's my and it's funny you mention accountability partner. She's my accountability partner. I don't even know if it's a partnership. It's almost like you know. Tamir's only made it today because I texted her this morning and said, well, you have one hour. <laughs> Don't fall asleep. Like, Set an alarm. Set an alarm. <laughs> Eat your she, vegetables. Don't like, forget to wash behind your like, ears. She would be like, you know, for grad school, she's like, okay, she had her calendar is all color coded. And I'm like pulling out papers all over the place. No, you got to do this and give me this. And she writes, okay. Listen, the amount of times that Williams goes to Trader Joe's a week because she doesn't make grocery lists. And I'm like, (laughs) I have pre-made grocery lists. You know, they're broken up by aisle. I can make copies for you. You have pre-made grocery lists. The dairy section, the meat section, the pantry section, so that I hit them all and I don't have to go all over the place or go back five times a week like she does. That I exactly. Can't even process. And I couldn't even tell her. Like, so she says, Well, we, I think you were asleep. I was like, No, I went and got my nails done. But I couldn't tell her where I really was. <laughs> so, where were you? Trader Joe's. Again. <laughs> so, Mangano, my mom would do that sometimes. She would make me a grocery list when I was like still living with her. And she literally walked up and down the aisles in her mind as she made the list. Like, can you do that? And no. And, no. No. I got okay. So I know what meals I'm having this week, right? We have a calendar on the fridge for the meals we're having each night. 
Mm-hmm. And then I make my list based on the meals. Uh-huh. And I only, I don't, I'm not about crowded places, not being able to find a parking spot. So I go to the grocery store Saturday or Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. while Neely's taking his power nap. I'm at the grocery <laughs> store with my pre-made list. I throw nice. a couple of loose things in the grocery cart, but no, I, yeah. I can't. No, that would cause me a lot. Mangano is is ridiculously organized. I still remember. I so I have no idea how many kids are in each of my classes. I have I, I really don't. I have, a, I, have a, I, have a, I have a ballpark figure, but not really. Okay. Um, and so I was so much anyway. So so Mangano and I were teaching the same thing, and you know whatever papers that I had made copies of, I had forgotten to make copies or I didn't have enough or something happened. And so I go next door to her room. I go, hey, do you have um an extra copy of such and such? She goes, no. I make the exact number of copies that I have students, okay? And they get one copy and they don't get another one. And that's, that's the way true. it goes. And I'm like... That's oh. true. That's hard. And I'm like a Larry David argument. <laughs> well, also, okay, Neely, but also you and I were on the same team when they gave us a count, okay? And so I'm not going one paper over outside of my five. Oh, okay, the, the, yes. The, the school said we only oh, yeah, had so many copies was, we could make. Yeah, she was serious about that thing. Like she was saying, okay... So like on teacher work days, we'd have a plan. She's like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to set an alarm. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to work. We're going to grade for this amount of time. Then we're going to set an alarm. Then we're going to go and then we're going to go make our copies. Okay. And then we're going to do, okay. I'm like, okay. Meanwhile, I mean, meanwhile, I need that in my life. Meanwhile, how many times is Mealy just going to wander in your room with no agenda whatsoever and just like say goofy stuff for like 30 minutes and then just go out and go, eh, I'll figure it out tomorrow. Listen, I, lo- I actually said yesterday when another co-worker, which, and he was just like, eh, you know, it is what it is. I'll throw a Kahoot in there or something. We'll figure it out. And I was like, I wish. <laughs> he left and I was like, I wish I didn't care as much. I think you'd still care though. Like, even yeah. if you said you wish you didn't, I think you'd still have your whole thing organized, like your whole life. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. awesome though. I admire that about you. But it's oh, nice, ha- but it's nice having that person um, exactly. that that you have, and it's and I'm sure Mangano. So Mangano, you help her in that way. What does she bring to the table? How does she like make your teaching and your and your life better? Oh well, she'll she'll help bring down the crazy. <laughs> and, um, she's also a very she's a necessary uh, sounding board. I mean, she is like. Calm, like she'll get triggered, but she always has that calm sense. Yes, you know, and so, and she'll always agree. If I come at her with like, "You well, this person did this today," she's like, "Oh, I know. This happened to me. This happened to me. This too." So I don't feel like I'm doing it alone, but also that I'm, you know, she'll, she'll she. If if something's crazy, I'm like, I need to, I just need to talk to me and I'm out for a few minutes. But unfortunately for her, I think that a lot of people use her in that sense so she's like i'm always listening <laughs> to other people's problems and i'm always trying to calm everybody down and i'm like i'm sorry and i wish that i could you know scale that back but i, I can't like, I, had you first. <laughs> I need you <laughs> i need you and she's 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 right they just i work with them and i would always see them together and they were always having fun together every time i would like hang out with the two of them they would just make me laugh and they always seemed to be encouraging one another. And as we talked to them, they talked about how they were kind of a little, they had a, kind of like a Felix and, um, 
Oscar. Uh, Oscar dynamic. Yes, we like to reference 70s um, Neil Simon plays whenever we can, but because um, we, we know that's what our demographic is. But anyway, or or 70s um, TV shows. Anyway. Was that, that a play? Yeah. Yeah, Neil Simon. I had yeah. no idea. Yes, 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 yes. I'm the literary one, you goof. Okay. Tell me something about math I don't know. All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but no. But then the, another, another um, modest teacher and, and typical edu celebrity. So two Twitter guys that kind of sort of know each other, but had never been on a podcast. Um, and we know a, some of our audience is, is um, in the Twitterverse there. And these guys are two um, basically parody accounts, and they have a good time. And so we had them on together. So here's – we're curious. So if you really did get, get hired for uh, – as a keynote speaker, in some sort of one of those big educational conferences. And you had to actually put on a conference. And and you could do it, you know, as yourself or as, as your character. What, what do you think would be, like, three or five to five, like, bullet points of what you would talk about? Well, I would probably talk about social media. And this is, prob- this is really kind of halfway serious, to be honest. I think social media can be... And a, a really amazing professional development platform. It can also be a lot of fun. It could be a great way to connect with educators as well. You know, part of the problem and, and part of this keynote address is going to be how do you differentiate between useful information on social media and terrible advice that is, you know, there's far too much of that on Edge of Twitter. But I, I truly think that teachers should be connected with each other and we can connect with each other each other better now than we ever can. I mean, I'm sitting here in the Midwest talking to you guys out east and and you know, we're able to connect in real time with each other and that is really really powerful. So, I mean, that would be uh, be part of the uh conversation, I think, just the the benefits of social media, some of the pitfalls that you have to watch out for and then a lot of the fun that you can have along the way. And so, that would be my conversation with with teachers. So, if you want you would like me to actually deliver that address, you can tweet me. I'd be happy to come do that. Cool. Well, my talk would start with an icebreaker. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Then then after the icebreaker, we're going to have a five-minute stretch. Nice. Then I will tell you a self-promoting, inspiring story that really isn't all that inspiring, but very much self-promoting. Very good. (laughs) Then we're going to watch a 10-minute TED Talk that will talk about something that you already knew. <laughs> then we're going to turn to a partner and talk about three things that we liked, three things that we remembered, and three things we're going to tell someone else later on today. Awesome. Then we're going to have a five-minute bathroom break, which will turn into 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, we will come back. I will ask the room to get to attention. I will ask him again. <laughs> 15 minutes later, finally, I'll have silence. And then I'm going to ask for any questions about what they saw or comments. Someone's going to give a comment, and I'm going to nod and smile, and I'm going to say, thank you for brightening my day. <laughs> then, then we're going to have – excuse me. I, I'm giving my talk here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're going to have another stretch break. Oh. oh, that's good. Then 
we're going to have a song and dance where I'm going to sing, and anyone who wants to get up in the front will come up and dance. Oh. Then another bathroom break, and then one last 45-second inspiring video that has no substance, but a lot of music and pictures, and then we'll be dismissed. After which I will send you a survey, which if you <laughs> complete it and send it in, I will enter you in a drawing for my next book. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I was going to say, there's got to be a book promotion somewhere. There's got to be a book promotion. Yes. Book promotion. You've got to yes. make sure you flash your Twitter up there. Right, That's and you've got to you got to capture the, you got to capture their email so that you can spam them for um all all the rest of their their, their lives um with whatever the next thing is that you're selling. So, yes, exactly. And they they did good both individually and as well. But t- speaking of though, but that was the neat thing was that Keenan and Alex they kind of sort of know each other from Twitter like that. I think they like follow each other, but they'd never like hung out together before. But we, I had like a conversation with them on Twitter where there was a, three of us were kind of going back and forth. And I said, Hey, why don't I have the two of you guys on at the same time? So how about glue sticks? Is there a spectrum of glue sticks or are all glue sticks the same? You, you got to go with the Elmer's, the Elmer's glue sticks, the, usually the purple ones, the ones that change color. Those are nice. Cause then you can see where you're putting it. Yes, yes, I would go with Elmer's too. Like, it's just something about the Elmer's and the texture and how it goes on the paper nicely. Mm-hmm. It, works. it just the works. other ones get all gummy. Like, if they get old, they turn into like this weird gummy kind of yeah, thing. It, yeah. And the other thing you have Rosart making glue sticks. So right, yeah. <laughs> this is fascinating to me. It's better than I. I never liked when I was younger. I never liked that weird alchemy of like the glue stick that was like purple or blue. But then when it like dried, it was clear. Like I never understood that. I didn't like that. That's the See, devil. Those are the ones you want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was a kid, they came out with colored glue with sparkles in it, and I so had to have it. And then like I was in second grade. I remember this. I'm only thirty, um, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, <laughs> Um, I had a friend actually taste the glue to see if it actually had a taste. Because <laughs> of glue. Oh. And obviously it didn't taste well, but I no, I wouldn't it. think. I have wouldn't you think. seen the the Elmer's smelly glue sticks that they have now? No. no. Yes. So what? Elmer's, yeah, they put out scented glue sticks. Like, that's a great idea. you got kids eating paste over in the corner. Yeah, let's make a scented glue stick. That's a great idea. Thinking of that, um... Our art teacher in our building told me that she had a kindergartner to shove a whole crayon box, like the little uh, rectangle ones, in his mouth. And I said, hmm, that's a new one for me. I've never heard oh, of That's good stuff. <laughs> better, better there than here, you know, in your nose yeah. or your ears, I guess. See, and see, I'm older. I literally do remember when the paste came in like a big tub and they had we had like a piece of wood that we would stick mm-hmm. in there to like dig out the paste and, and smear it on something. And I don't know if it, I'm sure it had a like brand. Like crackers? Made... Yes, you could, you, you could do that. It was. I, I, I... That's where they got the idea it for the handy snack. <laughs> well, it was like peanut butter. Pretzels? Yeah. It had like a peanut butter texture. Yeah. Well, how did it taste? Did it taste I like didn't eat, I too? never ate. I never ate glue. Uh, That's what I they all say. Glue. No. I did love rubber cement, getting it on my fingers and making rubber cement boogers. Those, those are yep. good stuff. And... Um, Probably smelled more rubber cement than was healthy to do because I did. I love the smell of rubber cement. Not yes. gonna lie. Yeah. Um, my guilty uh, pleasure is those fat, uh, the king size markers, like the permanent markers that you make <sighs> the posters with. Yes. I mean, I smell them every now and again. You're just only like, when, <laughs> only when I'm making a poster, though. 
Okay. It's just not, a nostalgia. Not just when you're thing, watching right? Netflix. Like, you're not sitting. You don't have like a some markers sitting next to you while you're just on the couch <laughs> while you're watching Netflix. And just, well, it's like, just one, just one more before I go to bed. Uh, <laughs> or going to go correct a behavior snippet before I head over. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah. How I've else got, do you get through parent phone calls? I've got a long, I've got a long faculty meeting. I'm going to need a whole pack of markers. Let me tell you about your kids. <laughs> and it was like, you know, instant chemistry, and we just laughed and had a good time, and everyone got along, and there was good educational conversation and good fun and it was just one of the things where i had no idea um whenever you meet someone on twitter and then you have them on your podcast it can go really really good it can go good or it can go well you know that was all right a little pear-shaped yes yes you know (laughs) you know theirs was really really good it was just it was just it was just a blast and then of course there's the other duo that we're not going to reference until we get to the um the Edupodlooza um, segment. All right, I think it's your turn, sir. All right, so while we're giving away Golden Blanket Awards for yes. just blanket statements about awesome groups, uh-huh. um, we spoke to a lot of different kinds of people this year. Um, of course, we talked to a lot of teachers. We talked to a lot of educational consultants. We talked a lot to a lot of published authors. Um, but there were three people who we invited on specifically because they were admin. Yes. Um, and we've, I, we've actually talked to a number of admin this year, but these three, we talk to specifically just through the lens of ask them administration what is it and and how do you do it and they yeah. gave us such brilliant and and passionate and wonderful answers uh the first one's toby price and since you are toby Wan kenobi um you're gonna tell us your teaching bio as a standalone star wars movie so um regale us you, you know um i thought about this a lot when when i when i was looking at those questions i thought about this a lot because I thought to myself, you know, I'd be a Jedi, I'd be a Jedi, or, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. I bet from community, I'd want to be Han Solo, you know? Yes. Um, but when I look at the last, let's say the last 10 years that I've been in administration, mm-hmm. it, it's a different story. Um, You've gone to the dark side. Are you Sith? I went to, I, exactly. I, I, I'm more like Finn, more like Finn. Um, okay. From the, from the sequel trilogy, you know, I was a, tr- a stormtrooper. I thought I could do it. Uh-huh. I thought um, I thought this is what I wanted. I can join the I can join the empire, and I will be this time. It'll be different. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be shooting villagers in the face, but you know, the, the longer I was an administrator in the, like the lead administrator in a building, the more I realized that man, the empire. I, I was fighting for the wrong side. <laughs> wow! Every everything that I was doing in education, it, it all had to do with the test scores, and it, it yes. started just to consume me. Mm-hmm. Um, test scores, test scores, test scores. And, you know, the worst part was when I took over the building where I was, the longer I stayed, the better we started doing and the worse it got. I mean, it consumes you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> They offer you so many things and the more you do, I mean, it just, it'll consume you. And, and eventually, you know, I just quit and joined the rebellion and I'm <laughs> nice. in pre-K through second grade now. Um, I'm an assistant principal. Love it. Yes. Love awesome. it. Getting pieces of my life back, getting to see the rest of the galaxy, so to speak, each day. <laughs> Man, it, it, you know, it's just where I'm, it, it, I think I can still make the same kind of impact, but it's, I'm happier. I got so much peace of mind and so much quality of life back. Well, I do know that episode, it's not the principal part, is that um, Toby is um, a uh, father of um, multiple autistic children and just the, um, the challenges of being an autistic parent and 
and from a principal's perspective and navigating and how that's changed his perspective on students and all of that stuff, as well as a lot of, um, I don't know how many of them were edited out, but quite a few um, unscheduled guest appearances by his um, <laughs> autistic children as we were as we were recording. So um, that was definitely a, a little were hilarious. They they are <laughs> just just an insight into what that what that what that is like. That McKay and I come up with some silly things that we think is funny. Like um, McKay, are bridges made out of gold? No, no, they're made out of steel. All right, my favorite show is Family Guy. Yeah, we don't. We don't watch that show. No, no. Mom's show is Family Guy. Yeah. It, no, it's not. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> can, we, mm-hmm. can we get some crayons? We'll get some crayons today. Man, I want crayons now. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Crayola. <laughs> and Addison, he'll, he likes Crayola. Addison likes Rose, the Rose Art. I'm like, oh. You like the Rose Oh, that's that's cheap crayons. They wish they were Crayola. Yeah. No children are boring, but if you have autistic children, you definitely have no boring days ever. <laughs> that that is accurate. Yes. Oh, by the way, while we're on there, and, and you can keep this in there, um, Dana. Okay, you know who I'm talking to. Okay, also an autistic parent. I'm friends with on Twitter. Also friends with um Toby Wan Kenobi and possible future podcast guest every time i think i've got her on the hook she um wiggles off and um won't get on so now i am i am calling her out again and saying um come on the podcast you silly girl okay anyway oh i hope so yes yes i don't know if she was an autistic parent yes well she's a parent of she's a parent of an autistic child how about that there's a difference all right the next principal we had on who was awesome was charles williams yes who was also we're also going to talk about during age poverty. Yes. How do you, as a principal, balance um, serving all the different people? We've talked about all these different people and hit on them, but you're you're trying to please um, district leaders. You're trying to please maybe a school board, maybe mm-hmm. some people who have influence on the school board, who are the movers and shakers, mom and dad money bags, or people in the community who are who are very politically active. You're trying to um, please your teachers. You're trying to make sure you're serving your students like how do you find that balance and how do you when you are making decisions or doing things how do you make sure you're looking at all of those lenses when you when you do that yeah so you know what um there's two aspects of this so the first thing i think that's super important for leaders and this is probably one of the very first things you should do not like later on in your career like i didn't learn the hard way i identify your your core values and beliefs there you, like go. you have to understand your why and why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, center yourself in that. Because if you start trying to chase all of those stakeholders and trying to make all of them happy for the things that they value and believe, you're never going to be centered. Yeah. And your actions are really never going to become aligned. And it's going to be a mess. You're just putting out fires all day long. Yeah. So instead of that, right, say, no, these are my beliefs. These are my core values. And I'll operate from in that space, mm-hmm. right? So now when a teacher comes to me, I'm operating out of that space. When a parent comes to me, I'm operating out of that space. And what happens then is that people begin to realize that those are your values and your beliefs. And so when I come to you, I know that's what I'm going to be getting. I can't just ask for whatever and expect you to do, you know, my, my bidding whenever I want. And if you're not careful that that happens. And so the other side of that, the, the second part, is and I know we talk about this a lot and it comes up a lot, but it's really building those relationships mm-hmm. because if I know you and you know me, right? Then again, it comes into that 
you know where I'm operating from. And it's a lot less stressful when you're not pretending to be someone you're not and trying to like, oh, I'm just going to make you happy and put on that smiling face. And right. Like, it's exhausting and you will never get anything done. So say no. Like, you know, and, and I'll be honest. So my, and maybe this is one of the reasons I moved my first school. <laughs> um, my, I, I value education. I, we are there for the kids. Right. right. That, that is one of the things that are important to me. And so we had a dress code. And I remember it was very strict. It was, you know, I have, and I've talked about this, you know, there was about hair colors and there was like from a hair salon, this board that was in my office from my previous principal. Oh my God. Was, like we could compare hair colors and if oh my God. match the natural hair color, you had to go home. I, I chucked uh. the board. I was like, that's stupid. Right. Oh. Same thing. If, if a kid had like different color socks on than what we're allowed. Right. And I was like, no. And the board and I, we, we clashed because I told them, I said, you, Mate, we're both in education, but we're in it for different reasons. Yeah. I need my kids in the building because when they're in the building, they're learning. Right. They're not learning when they're sitting at home. They're not learning no. when they're sitting in the dean's office. No. And so I don't care if a kid has neon orange socks. Right. They're staying in class. Right. I don't care if a kid comes in with blonde hair, but you know, he's black, like he's going to be sitting in class. Right. Like, and that's, that is what it is. And we, we fought and I wasn't there the next year, but <laughs> I sat in my values and my beliefs. I was like, yeah. no, this is what I believe in. And, it's scary because sometimes when you do that, you're like, maybe this isn't going to work out. And I tell people all the time, like, if it doesn't work, then that's not the place for you. Like, you're going to find that place where you fit. And maybe it's going to be uncomfortable and scary until that happens. But it's it's going to happen. So definitely sit in your values and your beliefs. Yeah. I would th- you are the second admin we've had on who said something like that. When we had Hepworth on, we asked him, like, what advice he would give. And he said, know who you are because everything will try and change you. Yeah. And he said you could really lose yourself if you're yeah. not careful. Like that's yeah. very interesting. So, that that pressure from all angles there. I was going to I was going to say did you want to like give your like elevator pitch for for your personal core values other than what what you've already said? Yes. What's the Williams way? Yes. <laughs> you know, so so I believe in I I had a statement um and it 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 fluctuates in its words. But the the reality is I'm going to do what's best for my people, my staff, my students. Right. And, and through those, I, I talk about three different things, access, um, um, aspiration um, and advocacy. So those three A's, I think a lot of times admin focused on students. Mm-hmm. And I, I always talk about like what you do at your staff is just as important with what you do with your students. Yeah. Like you can't ignore them. Mm-hmm. So those three A's aspiration. Like I want to make sure that you are aspiring to be the best that you could possibly be. Right. Right? I want you to know what you're capable of. Right. So in order for that to happen, then is I need to provide you with access to those opportunities. Like I said, I have worked in Title One schools my entire time. And a lot of times we just don't get invited to things. We're not participating in things. Mm-hmm. So I put myself into spaces and say, my kids and my staff are going to be here. Right. right. And that's when. So one of my favorite stories is in, in Chicago, um, there was a Boeing competition. So they were building rockets yeah. and kids from all over the city participated. And I found out about it and I said, I'm signing my kids up. And my kids were terrified. They were like, why would you do that to us? <laughs> uh, we don't want to go. And I said, no, you're going because you're going to go in and be amazing. I know what you're t- capable of. And they went like, back and they were so excited. They had come in third place. Nice. Wow. Chicago. So next year, we were invited back. And a group of my little fifth grade girls took the entire thing. Nice. Wow. nice. And I was like, so you guys, I told you, right? I, I believed in you. And I had to create the, the, the access to that opportunity because normally – those things wouldn't be granted to you. And so you just went and, you know, 
embarrassed an entire city, uh, some very, very wealthy schools. Yes. And we're just this tiny little school on the far west side of Chicago. Um, and so the last part, and that plays into what I was just doing, is advocacy, right? Because I need to constantly be an advocate for my staff and my students at all times. And so, you know, things branch off from there, but those, that's what I root myself in. I Excellent. need to make sure that I am, you know, making sure that they're aspiring to great things, making sure that they have access to those opportunities. And when it doesn't happen, you know that I'm an advocate for you. Wow. Yeah. That's way better than my answer. <laughs> I think my core beliefs would be live, laugh, love. Uh, uh, eat. <laughs> I think I think I have that tattoo somewhere. No. Yes. <laughs> you know, him just kind of talking to us about how he handles his teachers and and his process, and he just has so much empathy. It's wonderful. So let's let's give like props to Charles Williams for something he has actually no control over. But um, other than our good friend Shane, I think Charles Williams. It's it's probably a toss up between the two of them for just best radio voice. Oh my goodness, he's <laughs> he's just been given a gift of one of those things where you're like, oh, I could just listen to the man speak at all times. He just has that. He could be like an NPR guy. I feel that he's kind of got that kind of smooth, um, you know, cool NPR voice. So well, while we're doing that honorable mention, I also want to throw in Lanny for just having oh, that smooth. I just want him to he does too. like the sweet sounds of the seventies. Yes. Yes. He, he, he really does. He, he, he could do some long distance dedications and, and, <laughs> And all of that. goes out to Molly, who just yes. lost her parents. <laughs> <sighs> and, um, you know, of course, we also had on Principal L. Yes. Who, oh, man, what a legend. I wanted to be the person that in the end I was able to say, you know what? But I still helped you get that layup. I was mm-hmm. still the one that helped you get those those 30 points. Because mm-hmm. I know in the end, my students would benefit from that. Yeah. And, um. And so I, yeah. I, I see the principal administrator as, as being the Mo Cheeks, as being the, uh, the, the Chris Pauls of mm-hmm. the world, the person that's really helping, you know, everybody else on the team look good, feel good. Not the person who says, I got you in the observation, but the person that comes in and the observation says, I got you because yes. I know this has been a rough day or I know this has been a tough time for everybody. I got you. I'll come back at some other time or, or hey, let, let's talk about this because the goal is for me to give you the assist, not for me to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. The principal, the administrator is the ultimate point guard you yeah. know, in, in the world and the rest of everybody else in the building. They're the people that we're trying to help you know, become the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and the, you know, and the Moses Malone's and the LeBron James, Michael Jordan's. Because when they become the greatest of all time, you know who ultimately benefits? Right. The children do, right? Yes. And so that's... um. Because leadership is about service. If you don't serve, you can't lead. I didn't say you won't lead. You can't lead. Now, mm. You may think you're leading, but if you talk to the people who you work with, mm-hmm. they'll let you know you're not getting it. And if you can't hack it, they will give you your jacket. <laughs> so, and I've been doing this a long time. I've been an administrator over 20 years. And, um, and it hasn't been an easy job, but it's a job I look forward to going to every day because I know I'm doing it for the right reason. I go to bed every night with satisfaction wake up every morning with determination. 
There you go. I'm, I'm going to say something else. Just jump on that sports analogy. Sometimes what I need the principal to do, set the pick for me, baby. Set the pick for me. Just stand there and, and take the hit. I need to get, I need to get somewhere. And whether it's, whether it's the other administrators, whether it's a parent that, that's coming hard and it's just on my back, I need you to be there and, and, and help me get free. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about that parent. Set the pick. That parent, you know, that one that comes, the one that's coming, they're going to be yep. loud. They're going to be out of pocket. You know, you just you know, just because listen, this literally happens. People may think that we're joking, but there are administrators who close their door and let teachers deal with that or they, or they disappear. But you know what? For as administrators, we have to be okay with not being liked, mm-hmm. but we also have to have the courage to be able to, to, to set that pick. Because when you do, those teachers will move mountains for you. Yes. And uh and uh, you know, and I you know, I you know, I have a story of I was fighting for raises for my teachers one year, mm-hmm. 2017, and um, and my board didn't like it. And my board actually tried to fire me mm. for no reason other than the fact that. Right. And um, and they had a meeting with the staff to explain to them why they were removing me from the building. The staff already knew why they were removing me because <laughs> they knew I was fighting for these raises. They were right. underpaid. And the board said, in our discovery, when we find out, why we're, we're terminating him, we'll let you know. And the staff said, well, when you find out, you let us know because until you let us know, we won't be coming to work. And the board said, well, if you don't come to work, you'll be fired. The next day, 30 teachers took off work. And the, we had about 60 staff members. 30 came to work because they said, somebody has to be here to tell the kids what's going on. Mm-hmm. So wow. half the staff, you got to go in and let the kids know why we're not there. Wow. But, you know, and some of these teachers were teachers who, I had to write up. You know, they weren't my biggest fans, but they but they stood up for me because I stood up for them. Yeah. But they also knew that I was doing my job. And whenever I did it, I did it with compassion. But the idea was I had set that pick so many times that when Big Dow Dawkins came in the way, <laughs> <laughs> you know, chocolate thunder. Chocolate yeah, thunder, boy. baby. Double D. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the staff, they took a hit for me. And they were told that they would be terminated. Mm-hmm. The governor got involved. And eventually, five board members resigned. Wow. I was able to get my, get my job back. The parents all had a huge protest, but if not, and if not for those teachers, right. I'm telling you right now, because that was the power in it, the pick that they set. That was a whole wall that they yep. set up. And I know that they were willing to do it because they know that I, I had done and would do the same thing with mm-hmm. them. And they eventually got that raise too, fellas. So there that was go. the, no, that was, right. that was the ultimate goal is they eventually, um, yeah. they received the raise, you know, as well. So. That's um, I'm looking forward to that movie coming out. Yeah, you know, l- Lean on Me 2017, right? <laughs> there you go. I, I'm actually, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually working on a treatment right now for a script nice. for this. Um, there's so many other intricate parts to this whole story, mm-hmm. but um, it was just amazing that that they were willing to, uh, you know, to support me. And I, I so how could I ever walk away from that building, right? With right. these people who were willing to make that sacrifice. So yeah. other than the fact that every every year at the end of the year. Some kid comes to me and says, are you coming back next year, Principal Well, You know, my, my agent's always telling me, when are you going to leave? You know, you know, so many people, they, they leave the profession. They start speaking and doing all these other things. 34 years deep, and I'm still there, you know, That's every good. day. And That's that, good. That, 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 that one kid comes at the end of the year and they know. And somebody tells him, you go, it's like the old, you know, uh, Mean Joe Green. You yes. go ask him for the Coca-Cola. You go, you, know, you go ask him for it. He says, are you coming back next year? I guess I'm going to have to now because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny you said that, sir, but I really am working on that. And the first thing I'm going to do at the red carpet, I already told my teachers, you all will be on the red carpet. 
Won't Excellent. be any Denzel. Won't be anybody else. It'll be a bunch of underpaid, hardworking teachers saving Private Ryan every day on the red carpet, spilling food, drinks. Cause we're not used to eating well, right? So we'll just, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we, we're always eating on the run. We don't get bathroom breaks. But that'll be that'll be our day. That'll be our night to That's celebrate awesome. every teacher in the world who's given so much, you know, to our to our children. The energy that that man brings into the room. You just um. You know, he's a force in nature. He really is. And also one of those podcasts where um, my mouth just hurt from smiling so much. There's just (laughs) he has so much um, love. You know, I mean, he just he just there's just so much love in him for for his students, for his staff. And he is just someone that like if if he came to my area, I would um, transfer his school as soon as I could. (laughs) Thank you. And stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay Stay unprofessional. unprofessional.